0: the truth news network on every continent in every capital at colleges universities wherever solid thinking stands against the tides of insanity there is one voice a beacon a light in the murkiness of political swill from tnn the truth news network
1: comes that voice dan newman And we have never seen the political swill like we're seeing it play out today. Just when you think it can't get any worse, it gets worse. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live, our Thursday edition. We are chock full of stories and information. Just when you think you've got your arms around it all, you find out, You have your arms around very little and much of what you have your arms around is something other than what was represented to us. Man, are we seeing all kinds of confusion purposely put in the marketplace of ideas to confuse Americans about what's really going on. It becomes more and more difficult every day to dig and find truth When we look at those that are supposed to be true sayers, the ones that are supposed to be leading us, our members in the United States Congress, in the White House, in the Biden administration, we look to those people to lead us. Give us nuggets of truth. Let us form our own opinions. Yeah, we'll listen to your opinions, but stop trying to ram them down the throats of the American populace. We don't need that. We're not stupid. We have the the ability to discern facts from fiction. And we're going to wade into a bunch of that today. Man, there was so much going on around the nation and around the world yesterday. We have so many domestic things to weigh in here today. We've got several audio bites we want you to hear from some of our leaders. And we want to break this stuff down. Now, with all of that stuff that's out there that we want to talk about with you today, It could get kind of crowded, and it would seem maybe like we're jumping around over here, over there. No, what we're doing is we're trying to follow the important things that are important to all of us, important to the United States, important to our children, important to our businesses, our economy, and the structure of our nation, and it at every level is under attack but it's not attack from foreign foes and that just makes it worse we're under attack internally no we're not headed for a civil war i don't think we'll have a division in the company that will end up in the country that will end up with two sides taking weapons and going after each other but verbally o m g it's incredible how much vitriol and anger and hatred there is in this nation And everything, every single thing that happens, somebody weaponizes it against a political opponent. Nobody's out there applauding anything good that we can see that's getting done. It's only, let's attack those who disagree with us. Let's try to diminish them and their accomplishments, no matter what the accomplishments are, and no matter who they benefit. They Weaponize everything politically to use against a political opponent. Now, let me give you an example. Who in their right mind doesn't think Elon Musk has done some good things in the United States? Do you know anything about Elon Musk? Born in South Africa, immigrated to Canada, and then to the United States. He's not a loud guy. He doesn't do really well. I've seen him in front of big crowds. He's not a great orator. But what he is, is a business genius. Now, why couldn't leadership in this nation just recognize those things about Elon Musk? Everybody thinks he's just the wealthiest guy on the planet because he was in the right place at the right time. No. He's the wealthiest guy on the planet because he used a brain, he used the assets that God gave him. We can't say that. Believe it or not, Elon Musk is endowed with unalienable rights by his creator, not his government, but they all try to pull others down that in many respects, are having greater accomplishments than they are themselves. I've given you this illustration before. It principally came up in my mind when I read a book, and the book talked about the theory of crabology. Crabology, I'm from South Louisiana. If you're from the Gulf Coast or anywhere around seawater, you know exactly how the crabbing process goes. For the rest of you here is the very simple explanation. Crab traps, they're basically rectangular, square traps with wire around some kind of bracing. And up at the top, in the middle of the top, there's a hole, and that's where the crabs go in. So what you do, you put meat, usually something like chicken necks or something like that, down in the bottom of the crab trap. And then you lower, usually it's multiple crab traps, you lower them into the water wherever you're out there looking for crabs. So crabs are always looking for food, right? So they smell that chicken neck in there and they find a way to crawl across the floor of the ocean where they're living. They climb up the side of the crab trap and they crawl in to get down to get the chicken. Well, they get the chicken, but they can't get out. They're not really smart enough to realize how they got in is the same way to get out. But if you if you take that crab trap and you've got four, five, six, maybe even more than that, crabs caught in the bottom of it, you set it up on the bank and watch them for a few minutes. Here's what happens almost every time. There'll be one, maybe two crabs that figure out, hey, you know that opening up there? If I get up there, I can get out of here. So, how do you get up there if you're not in the water you you they don't they're not swimmers anyway, but the only way to get out is to climb up the side and across the top and then you crawl through the hole and so they try it. none ever get out of the trap. You know why it's not because they can't figure it out. It's every one of them that tries. they're not successful at the task, and the reason is. There's always one or two crabs down at the bottom that will reach up and grab the crab that's about to crawl out to freedom and pull them back down to the floor of the trap with them. Why can't today's media champion a guy like Elon Musk that is basically writing a $44 billion check to buy a social media giant and take it private? Why can't they do that? Why do they have to just go nuts on Elon Musk instead of saying, congratulations, buddy. This is one of the least financially effective social media giants on the planet. And we know you're very successful at making money. And there are some issues with Twitter regarding censorship, first amendment violation, all those kinds of things. So We're looking forward to watching you take a company that is basically failing, and it's failing because of the way it's abused its customers, and we're going to look in and watch you make this a very successful company. That's what we should be doing. But instead...
2: Elon Musk calls himself a a free speech absolutist. Well, first of all, that's BS. Misinformation and disinformation
3: could be amplified.
2: I don't trust Elon Musk to make Twitter better for women at all. It seems to me that it's about free speech of straight white
4: men. If you own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you, you don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else, and the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election.
5: Well, that's right, because that's what they did after the election. The liberal media melting down over Elon Musk's Twitter takeover. Celebrities on the social media platform are now complaining of losing followers as hashtags like RIP Twitter and Delete Twitter are trending. A USA Today analysis of the accounts of 529 members of Congress showed 72% of Republican accounts gained followers since Monday's announcement that Musk's $44 billion offer was accepted. And I could confirm, Dagan, yeah. that my account. ALSO GAINED FOLLOWERS. I WENT FROM 958, well, I HAD OVER A MILLION AFTER THE ELECTION, AND THEN it, it, THEY WERE GONE, AND THEN I HAD 950. THIS MORNING, I'M AT 980,000. Uh, 980, I'VE had. HAD
2: THOUSANDS OF FOLLOWERS AT yeah. IT yeah. SINCE THE NEWS BROKE. 24 HOURS. <laughs> SINCE MINE STARTED GOING UP THE MOMENT THE DEAL WAS ANNOUNCED ON MONDAY FOR MUST buy TWITTER. BUT SO TWITTER SAYS THAT THIS IS just organic that it's not some change in the algorithm; that this, these are just new accounts that are being added. I can verify that there are clearly some accounts that are backed by individuals who are following me, who are back on Twitter. Uh, however, Twitter's problem that Musk will have to solve is fake accounts. That fake accounts get set up. There was a report recently that 11% of the accounts that were tweeting about the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial were totally fake. Are you serious? So there's a so there's a real uh, there's definitely something going on, but we'll have to wait until Elon Musk takes over to yeah. find out. I mean, that's what Devin Nunes said when he joined us from Truth Social,
5: that it's all bots, robots.
3: A lot of them out there, no question. Uh, he's Elon now, by the way, let's make yeah. it clear. No no need for the Musk thing anymore. All right, He's a one-word guy. Yeah, like know?
5: Dagan. Like
3: Dagan, Maria, Shaq, yeah, Elon. Uh, that, that montage you played <laughs> before is, is truly incredible, yeah. that somehow Elon Musk taking over as a threat to democracy. It's a scary thing. How could you possibly defend the way Twitter has conducted itself over the last couple of years? Censorship, suppression, locking out accounts. If you shared a story, for example, that the COVID uh, coronavirus came out of a lab in That's Wuhan, right. Right? Right. which John Stewart said it best. He said it's like saying, oh, there's a chocolate outbreak in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Maybe <laughs> it came from the chocolate factory, right? So to say that this is Mr. a threat. That's
5: what Tom Cotton said in March of 2020, and he got suspended And then they wouldn't allow me to tweet anything about it because, you know, he told us it's so obvious that it leaked from a lab.
3: And they called him a crazy conspiracy theorist, mm-hmm. right? So Elon Musk coming in here, when you look at earnings tomorrow, it's going to be a bloodbath. And they had no choice but to take this offer because nothing like it was ever going to come again. Their guys.
2: bankers told them that you're not getting anything better than this. That they, we, they approached uh, the private equity firms and they couldn't come up with another bid. I, my favorite, I know we'll talk about it as the show moves on, but my favorite story of the day is that the top censorship advocate at Twitter uh, her name is Venjaya Gotti. She had a meeting yesterday and was crying. Oh, she's she's, she was the one that was responsible for the Hunter, censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story. And she, I think
5: she was also responsible for knocking Trump off, right? Yes,
2: she was. And she's worked there for more than a decade. But apparently, based on a political report, that she cried during the meeting, expressing her concerns about how the company could change. I
3: can't censor anymore. What am I going to do? Yeah,
2: yes. I can cry I will, over that. So the. <laughs> Sniveling left-wing media because their power is somehow threatened by uh, more speech. Mm, I love that. But uh, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Yeah, there you (laughs) go.
0: That's
1: a pretty good analysis of the way the left have gone so far regarding Twitter. Now, let's put it in perspective. Twitter, until this takeover is completed, Twitter is a public corporation. That means there are stockholders. People that write checks or do wire transfers and buy shares of Twitter stock. What we had planned to do if Elon didn't pull his purchase off, we were going to quickly, we already had the process in place, we were going to start a drive to get as many people as possible to each buy one share of Twitter stock. Why would we do that? Because when stockholders publicly are involved in a company, those are the people that own the company. We felt like if we could get several million Americans to do that and then own their, their stock, keep that one share, maybe you want more, keep them all. But what we were coordinating to do is all of us assign the voting rights on each of our shares of stock to Elon so that he would have the power to push the board to do the right thing. Thankfully, I guess maybe I should say thankfully, maybe not, but it didn't resort. We didn't have to resort to that. Elon pulled it off himself. Wouldn't you think that Americans should be more in line with supporting each other's successes rather than looking at somebody that just made one decision? One decision. And his life is full of some pretty significant decisions. Do you know that he sold his first thing when he was eight years old? He wrote the code for a video game. Eight years old. Kid's pretty smart that can write the code for a video game at age eight. So he had bright stars in front of him. But if you don't know anything about Elon Musk, he had a tough coming up. And he is and has been an entrepreneur for many, many, many years. Even when he was young, he had some business deals that didn't work out. But you know what? He's an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs, true entrepreneurship, are people that get these great ideas, but they don't just get good ideas. They put stuff in place to make those good ideas turn into something big, we wouldn't have any of the great things in our lives if it wasn't for entrepreneurs. The one commonality for every entrepreneur is they are willing to put everything they have on the line for an idea. Many times those ideas, when they put them on the line and start a business or get involved in the business world with that good idea, it doesn't work out so well. I don't know what the numbers are, but I would I would imagine, and I'm an entrepreneur, I would imagine the number of success and failures probably ten times more fail than make it. And if just as an example, if those are the numbers, one out of ten is going to be successful, some margin of success. Well, Elon hit it pretty well with Tesla. He's pretty really well in SpaceX. Do you think Elon Musk is going to fail in Twitter? No. And that's what those leftists you just heard are so worried about. Because leftist politicians had choked Twitter and choked free speech expression on Twitter, one of our biggest social media platforms which meant they were controlling the political narrative in the marketplace. Perfect example of controlling it to the detriment of righteousness and legality. Twitter almost single-handedly handed the 2020 election to Joe Biden. Why is that if Hunter Biden's laptop story had been allowed to just go out among the American people in mass the information, so much so that the info gets out there, Americans get curious, and we start looking for facts. Don't you think, knowing what we know now, if we had known it 15 months ago, don't you think there'd be a lot of people that would have voted against Joe Biden with that big cloud of corruption hanging over his head that is getting closer and closer to ground level now after what happens the truth comes out, the opportunity and the challenge to Americans by social media giants and real news organizations to give us the facts with which we can make decisions, good decisions. i got to be honest with you. I don't know Elon Musk. I've never talked to him. I'm not an Elon Musk follower. I now follow him on Twitter, and I just began that because I want to learn more about what makes him tick, but and by the way, i'm I'm a charter member of Fox Nation. I gotta confess, after the first year, I did not renew my subscription simply because during their first year, they were doing what every new company does, getting their feet on the ground. I'm telling you all that to say this. There is a, as I understand it, a really good program about Elon Musk that is airing over this weekend on Fox Nation. If you're a subscriber, Make sure you go check it out. Maybe you ought to think about subscribing. Maybe I ought to think about subscribing to it. A lot of good content there that you don't see in the news shows. You know, we as an American people, we have lived for a number of years now on audio and video, sound and video bites. We want everything just given to us in snippets. And let me tell you this, in my family, in my business, I'm one of the worst. When something's going on, and Mary and my wife, will tell you this, when something's going on and there's a story or something happening that, you know, it may not be good and there's always a really long explanation for what's going on and why and who's involved. I can't tell you how many times people in my family and even my 30-year-old company, that kind of explanation begins to happen. And I'll say, please, just give me... Just give me the the skinny. Give me the short version of it. That's what I have of Elon Musk. That's what most of you have. Check out the show. This is a guy that he is making already a major impact on the United States of America. And it's not just through Twitter. How? Why? When? Where? Get all those answers about Elon Musk. Nothing that happens on Earth happens in a vacuum, and very few new ideas are original. Most of them come from a spark, something that somebody says, some question somebody asks, and then somebody takes a chance on it, figures out what it'll take to give it a world, see if it'll work or not. And then they do that. They find out, and many times it works out. I'll give you an example of an entrepreneurial idea that I came up with about 15 years ago. We need to do away with the post office. It is nothing but draining the American taxpayer of hundreds of billions of dollars. It loses money every year. Well, how could we do away with the post office? How could we not be able to get mail? Well, novel idea. Every American gets a computer. Every American has a very unique ID number. What would that be? Social Security number. The federal government would still take charge of the mail distribution, but the distribution is going to be totally electronic. So all the junk mail that you get? You can get it online. You don't have to have it in your stuffed in your mailbox. You'll get it online if you want to participate, if you want to get more about it, you download it and print it. Otherwise, it's just mail. Well, what about packages and stuff like that? Well, guess what? Novel idea. UPS, Federal Express, they're already doing the job better than the post office can. Why don't we just let them do all of that and we do all our mail electronically? I shared that idea with my son-in-law, who's now the CEO of our company, Scott. He's an IT guy. And he immediately began to think through the process and said, you know what? It's doable, Dan, but it would require a massive structure and organization and it would take a lot of money to get it going. And so guess what? The idea stopped right there. Even though I'm an entrepreneur, I didn't have the, the, the wherewithal. And I'm not just talking about dollars and cents. That would be obviously a, a problem because we're talking about tens of millions of dollars to set that structure up and put it in operation. But I didn't have the time. I didn't have the the ability to spend the commitment, the time commitment to get involved and find all the necessary tools and the energy (laughs) to make all that work. That's just one example, but there are millions of those kinds of things that happen every day, every week, every month around the world. Must, much of everything we have came from entrepreneurship, so there's my cheap, free commercial to you about Elon Musk. On a personal level, I know very little about him, but I do know this. He's a great businessman. He's got great vision. And from that, great things inevitably happen all the time. Well, let's move on. Economic news, pretty sad this morning. A shocking report came out early this morning that the U.S. economy contracted 1.4% in the first quarter of this year. This is the first time the world's largest economy experienced negative growth since the second quarter of 2020. According to the Bureau of Economic Analysis, this decline in our gross domestic product was driven by a drop in private inventory investment, a drop in exports, a drop in federal, state, and local government spending, Imports rose in the three months ending in March. We talked about this yesterday. Imports went up. What does that mean? That increases our national debt limit. It goes up. When we buy more than we sell internationally, we go down. We go in negative territory. Personal income in the first quarter went up $268 billion. Disposable personal income climbed to 216 billion. Those are good numbers. But the personal savings rate tumbled to 6.6%, that's down from 7.7. We are told a decrease in private inventory investment was led by decreases in wholesale trade, mainly automobiles, and retail trade, notably other retailers and motor vehicle dealers. The Bureau of Economic Analysis, the BEA, said within exports, widespread decreases in non-durable goods were partly offset by an increase in other business services, mainly financial services. The decrease in federal spending primarily reflected a decrease in defense spending on intermediate goods and services. The increase in imports was led by increases in durable goods, notably non-food and non-automotive consumer goods. Now, is this alarming? Yeah, it is alarming. It just doesn't happen in a thriving economy mostly. I guess part of this is good that the government spending went down. (laughs) That doesn't happen much in the U.S., does it? But nevertheless, our economy is struggling right now, and we're not hearing anything about it from Washington, D.C., the answer for everything is to spend more money. Spend more money. We don't have any more money. We don't have the money you guys in D.C. are spending today. You're having to borrow it with our promise that we're going to pay it back someday, and we don't have the money to do that. Who in their right mind would subscribe to that kind of system and even think there's good at the end of the rainbow? That is not going to happen, and there's going to be an explosion. We can look in our history and, through many, many decades, there are times when we've come to the brink of our economy just completely exploding. Thankfully, being the nation that we are, we have leadership, typically, that can pull the, thre- the threads together to weave the cloth to salvage us before we end up going down the tank and looking like Venezuela. Yeah, they got a little m- more debt than they have revenue themselves, and that's how their problems began. Top down heavy spending, criminality, not taking care of the rule of law in their nation. Does that sound kind of familiar to you? That's what you and I are living with here in the United States, and it's not a good place to be. It's certainly not a good feeling. Well, we're not going to we're not going to stay there. We know we have issues, and we know that we can take care of them, but it's going to take leadership. It's going to take real leadership, kind of like that that uh, the country of Russia has. Say what you will about Vladimir Putin. He is a despot. He's a tyrannical power junkie. He kills people randomly with no regard for life. Yesterday, he kind of went toe-to-toe with the United States and other uh countries in the West, he threatens what he called lightning-fast strikes against any nation that dares put their toe in the water over in Ukraine to do anything against Russia. He pledged lightning-fast strikes. Now, what does that mean? If anyone ventures to intervene from the outside and pose unacceptable threats of a strategic nature to Russia... They should know that our counter-retaliatory strikes will take place with lightning speed. That's what Vlad said yesterday. Russia once faced some international ire this week after it suggested Western support of Kiev during Russia's more than 60-day invasion could lead to nuclear warfare. But despite the calls from nations like us and the United Kingdom, To stop his aggressive rhetoric, Putin decided he wasn't being tough enough. And while you were sleeping, he said, we have all the tools to do this, these lightning strikes, the kind that no one else can boast of right now. He's talking about Russia's deployment of that new hypersonic missile last month. We will not boast. We will use them if necessary. I want everyone to know that, he said. All the decisions have been made in this regard. Well, NATO and other allies pledge to continue to support Ukraine, and we're watching as Russia ramps up its second offensive in eastern and southern Ukraine in what our own defense officials have warned is going to be an even more brutal fight. Moscow's repeatedly defending its special military operation in Ukraine, and they say it's an attempt to denazify certain regions a claim that ukraine and the west have said is patently incorrect now i'm not going to go i'm not going to go up in a conversation and pat vladimir putin on the back and say hey we get it buddy but i will tell you this historically there are a large number of nazis in ukraine and when i say nazis i'm not talking about guys kids young men Walking around the streets with SWAT stickers on their sweatshirts and t shirts. I'm not talking about that kind of Nazi. After World War II, the number one place Nazis that were really high up in the government, in the Nazi government, a lot of them immigrated to Ukraine and settled down there. And a lot of their families took on those political ideals. They call them ideals, but they weren't very ideal, of Nazis, Nazism. And they've been, in many cases, very vocal about that. I get that those people, if you remember, in World War II, Hitler obliterated thousands of Russians. Russia went to war against Germany in World War II, along with us. Who would have ever thought that? So there's no love loss between those two nations. And for whatever reason or reasons, obviously he had some, Vladimir Putin decided to go into Ukraine and get rid of these Nazis. Now that's the quote unquote reason to justify his invasion. There's no way you can justify what he's done. The rampant slaughter of citizens, not military members, men, women, kids, mass annihilation, there's no way to justify that in any way. But I'm just telling you, he did have, uh, I guess, a little justified reason for the invasion. But I don't think the process is being handled right. I think most reasonable people would say the best way to approach that would be to try to sit down with the leaders in Ukraine and work something out specifically for specific people. The Nuremberg trials, you remember those way before me, but those are the ones where they put Nazis that were active in World War II, especially the leaders, and principally those that were involved in the obliteration of 6 million Jews, they put them on trial. Many of those Nazis ended up in Ukraine, and that just basically has stuck in Putin's crawl. Enough about that. Let me tell you what's ahead. We've got Alejandro Mayorkas on the hot seat. Who's he? Secretary of Homeland Security. He really showed his rear end yesterday. Oh, my gosh. This guy, he is corrupt. Um, He is a really good speaker. But he is arrogant as anybody I've ever known. And in the face of questions from people in the U.S. Congress about the really important subject, Everything about what's going on in our southern border and the fact that we, on his watch, Mayorkas' watch, he works for Joe Biden. So on, on, on Mayorkas' and Biden's watch, our nation is being flooded with illegals who we have no idea who they are. We don't know if they're good, if they're bad. In many cases, we don't even know for sure where they come from other than across the border. They're flooding in here. And we're getting the bill for it. And the Biden administration, after they get here, forget about COVID, forget about the other disease that are rampant in other parts of the world. Many of these people that come in have those. We don't know. We don't test them. We trust them. Do you realize that these illegals that come to the nation, they get more consideration from our government than any American citizens do? They're just benignly accepted. All they have to do is is say, hey, I'm not sick. Hey, I'm not a criminal. We just let them in, and we don't just let them in. We feed them. We transport them to cities across the nation during the dark of night to hide the fact that our government is doing that. And so where are they going? Who's handling all this stuff? Well, you need to get familiar with the term NGO, non-governmental organization. So where do they fit into this? These are quote-unquote charitable organizations that the Biden administration has seeded with tens of millions of your tax dollars. Why aren't they giving money to them? Well, the federal government doesn't have the ability internally to manage all these people moving around the country. And once they get somewhere, they're going to want to settle in. They'll still be illegal immigrants unless and until they go through the process to get legalized but they've got to live. So what do these NGOs do? They pay for transportation. They'll pay. These NGOs will pay for the family members that are back in the home country of these immigrants that get through. They'll reunite them by flying those people to the United States and getting the green light from this Homeland Security to come in and join the relatives that already are here. They pay for housing. They pay for clothing. They pay for health care, education, the whole nine yards on your dime. Alejandro Mayorkas, you're going to hear from him. And you're going to hear some dissenting people from the U.S. Congress with Mayorkas in the room right after this break.
5: I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities.
6: Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals
5: The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY.
0: This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN. The Truth News Network TruthNewsNet.org
1: And Dan Newman I don't know if it was uh, my mama or if it was the Bible (laughs) but a lot of the evil thing that we are seeing now were expected. They didn't just jump up and bite us in the booty. But what we're about folks is the Scripture. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free don't we need a little freedom i'd like to listen to interviews with our politicians and watch tv interviews with our politicians and look at listen to what they say and just automatically believe that they're telling us the truth can you expect that to happen now heck no <laughs> almost everything, almost everything with l- few exceptions. When I hear something or read a story, I go into it believing going into it. I'm just going to get political thuggery and attempt to convince me to believe whatever they tell us, not give us the facts that or the substance for what they're telling us. They just give us their conclusions and they benignly expect us just to fall in line and believe everything they say. One of the Strangest members of the Biden administration is the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. He's an immigrant himself. Former, well, I guess he's still a lawyer, but he worked in the government in some legal capacity. And he just caught the eye of um, the, the the bosses of Joe Biden in the transition away from Trump. Mayorkas is an immigration specialist, and he basically sold himself to this administration, let me tell you what he is going into what you're just about to hear. Alejandro Mayorkas is a globalist. He does not believe in borders. He believes that every person on the planet should be able to move from place to place without having to go through the immigration process. Now, if you ask him that, he probably will immediately call you a liar. I don't believe that. I believe the rule of law. But here's the problem. He, just like many others in Congress, and not just in Congress, bureaucrats, people that work in the administration that are appointed, a lot of those people, you can listen to what they say, but then more importantly, you watch what they do. And a lot of times, far too much of the time, what they say and what they do don't jibe And what they're doing erases what they promised they were going to do or the reasoning for their doing whatever this is. Mayorkas has mastered that skill. So I want you to listen to the Homeland Secretary as he faces a committee yesterday in Congress discussing the crisis at our southern border.
7: Joining us now, Congressman Greg Stuby from House Judiciary. It just sounds like they're throwing in, right? They're tossing it in and saying, we're going to accept 18,000 a day. We're going to process. It is so dangerous. We had a, a guardsman, a National Guardsman, drown trying to yeah. rescue drug traffickers. We have illegal immigrants drowning in the river. We have, I hate to say it, it's graphic. I, I'm not going to say it. What's going on to illegal immigrants who make the dangerous journey? Thousands die. It seems like this cavalier attitude that that, that doesn't matter, Congressman. Your reaction?
8: Yeah, because they don't care about what the American people care about. And that's the safety and security of their families and their communities and the American people. They want to let as many people into this country as possible. And then they just catch and release them. And those are the ones that they actually release. Over two million illegal immigrants have entered this country since Biden has been in office. Way more than records We're like last month was over 500 percent what it was in 2020, just for the numbers in March. Uh, These are record numbers that we're seeing. And when this Title 42 gets lifted, uh, the, the secretary himself is saying 18 thousand a month they can't handle that why is that being normalized that? but why
7: is that being normalized
8: because that's what the biden
7: administration has
8: to do to try to convince the american people there's no crisis there's no issue there's no big thing happening at the border but the american people are smarter than that the american people see surging crime they see fentanyl overdoses all across their yes,
7: communities lawlessness. This is about breaking the law. This is breaking immigration and border security laws that Joe Biden was for, Hillary Clinton was for, Dianne Feinstein, Barack Obama. They all said, we need stronger border security. Let's listen again to the fireworks of DHS Secretary Mayorkas today before House Homeland Security. Watch this.
5: Next year, if we have the majority in this committee, which we shall, you're still in office, you'll face impeachment. I ask you as a man, own this thing.
6: Congressman, I couldn't disagree with you more when you, state that, when you state that our nation's sovereignty is disintegrating.
9: What information do you have in your possession that your frontline agents don't have? Because there's not a single person on the border today that will tell you that once Title 42 is lifted, they won't lose operational control as part of the border.
6: What you have identified as estimates of what we will uh, encounter at the border are are not estimates of what we will encounter.
4: Last year with the same resources, they only deported 59,000. What's
6: going on? We have removed more serious criminals Mm -hmm. than the prior administration did, and I have data.
7: Okay, you know what, that's misleading. You Absolutely. could see could say he's removing more criminals. It's because they collapse the border so more people are coming in. This dodge show, this avoiding the questions, it ain't playing anymore. It's sinking the president's poll numbers. Your reaction to this, by the way, are, Republicans, are, are they real? Are you guys going to really impeach Mallorcas and Biden because of the border collapse if you take back control of Congress?
8: Look, this administration, Mayorkas and Biden are deliberately and intentionally violating federal law on our border. They're doing it every single day and they're doing nothing to stop it and in fact, they're encouraging the behavior. They're transporting illegal immigrants all across this country in violation of the laws that Congress put in place. They impeach Trump over a phone call to the Ukrainian president and these uh, leaders, Biden and Mayorkas are violating federal law intentionally on the border. So you so absolutely you would say the yes judiciary to that. I, absolutely, 100%. And the Judiciary Committee will do an investigation on all this and lay it before the American people to see how bad and how intentionally our federal laws were violated by this administration.
7: Yes, yeah, so not upholding Title II of the Constitution. has testified Homeland Security spent, they also spent $72 million in shutga- shutdown costs to stop building Trump's border wall to get rid of and cancel contracts and more. That's a lot of money to stop building a border wall that we already appropriated for.
8: Yeah, we already appropriated it for it. The money was there. The supplies were there. We could have finished it uh, in several months after Biden took office. And they refused because their policy is open borders, allow all, as many people into this country as possible. They don't care about American families. They don't care about the 42 terrorists on terrorist watch list that they've let into this country. They care about power. And they, their number one bills in both the House and the Senate is to allow any person that's in this country to vote. So they're allowing all these illegal immigrants to come okay. in and then try to pass their number one bill to allow them
7: to vote. All right. All right, we've got Congressman Keko. He, we just showed Congressman Katko, uh on camera moments ago, grilling DH sec- sec- uh, Secretary Mayorkas. Congressman, thanks for joining us on the phone. What was your reaction to the uh, to Mayorkas' uh, testimony today? Well, quite frankly, I thought it was
9: stunning because it just does not comport with reality. We've been down to the border multiple times, and there's not a single border patrol agent who says anything other than the border is out of control. And when they yank Title 42, it's going to be, they're going to lose operational control of the border completely. And the only person who's saying otherwise is Mayorkas. And it's really kind of stunning that he's not listening to the frontline troops. It's kind of like a general ignoring completely what the soldiers are saying in the foxfall. And that's exactly what's going on. And it really goes to show you how political it's become at the border. It's really, really too
7: bad. You know, Gallup polls, civics poll. We've got another poll coming in for Morning Consult. The president is deeply underwater. Uh, Democrats and Republicans across the nation say what's going on is wrong. And the president, Congressman Katko, he's not just president of one caucus. He's also president of the border states. Their governor's warning the situation is desperate. Their neighborhoods and communities hit with rising crime, robberies, carjackings, destruction of property, property home invasions. Talk to us about this. There's apparently a shortage of detention centers as the shortage of buses and air flights to move these migrants, these illegal, illegal immigrants out. They've got nowhere to go, so they're stuck in these local border towns and they can't handle it. What are you hearing? Well, yeah, well, think about that, right? You're exactly
9: right. Now, that's the current situation where they have anywhere from five to 7,000 people a day crossing the border. And, when they, and that, that's with Title 42 being utilized. And Title 42 allows you to deport people immediately when they come across the border. Now, when that's gone, Just the number of people right now is going to be that much more untenable, but they're going to expect the fact that when Title 42 is is pulled, that it's going to be a magnet to pull that many more people up to the border. So they're expecting as many as 18,000 people a day.
7: And if you think it's chaotic at the border now, you just wait and see what happens when Title 42 you, goes away. To, it's really to, terrible. To Congressman Katko's point, final word, Congressman Greg Stubbe. Biden's border collapse necessitated a DEA response. DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, warns that drugs and crime violence, drug uh, gun crimes, are pouring across the border into thirty-four, 34 U.S. cities. Uh, we've got criminal drug networks and gangs operating in those cities, that's according to the DEA. So that's how serious the situation is, but it seems like the White House is not taking that seriously at all.
8: Of course not. The number one cause of death between the Americans between the age of 18 and 45 is fentanyl overdoses. All of that fentanyl is coming across the border. There's been more fentanyl seized to kill every American in our country just during Biden's administration. It's absolutely a catastrophic issue, just not from a human toll, but from the drug toll on on the American
1: people. A really good synopsis of what is happening. And you heard some snippets there from Alejandro Mayorkas himself this guy i don't know if you've ever seen him he's probably the most arrogant person i've ever seen in congressional testimony he gets he raises up he changes his expression when he's asked a question with which he disagrees and then he finds an elite an elitist way of responding to questions to denigrate the person who asked the question and he 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 just passed out i listened to a bunch of this uh, this hearing yesterday. He throws things out there that he just expects everybody to swallow. And give you an example, in one case, he talked about this massive plan that his Department of Homeland Security had put together to handle this influx that we already keep see growing and growing and growing, but to be able to handle this influx. And he made it sound to those members of Congress and, of course, the television cameras that were in there, he made it sound like we've had this place, this plan in place, and the plan is working. One congressman said, wait a minute, I've got your plan right here in front of us. It was created last month. (laughs) At the beginning of last month is when it was drafted. You put it out at the beginning of this month, and it's not even being implemented yet. So that's the kind of crap that they're dealing with, and it's very obvious. Stuff down there is in a bad place, bad situation. Mayarcus spoke about the just-established governance board during that hearing yesterday. What in the heck is that? Well, we got a definition. The governance board will focus on irregular, irregular migration and Russia, they said. Nina Jankowicz, a fellow for the Wilson Center, confirmed that she would direct that board, sharing her official government portrait on her social media profile. Cats out of the bag. Here's what I've been up to the past two months. That's what she wrote. She claimed the new board was created to maintain the Department of Homeland Security's commitment to protecting free speech, privacy, civil rights, and civil liberties. Now this is Homeland Security, folks. This isn't some other agency. Homeland Security, she's going to be the head of a board that's going to protect free speech, privacy, civil rights, and civil liberties. I believe in it protecting all of those things, but what the heck is it being pushed out in Homeland Security of all places? You know what that really is going to lead to? This is the goal every illegal immigrant that comes in, their rights are going to be violated by our federal government. That means we've got to go to court and be sued by all of these illegal immigrants, and this board is the one that is going to be solely responsible for setting that process all up. Don't think I'm joking. In October of 2020, this lady, Jankiewicz, testified to the House Select Committee on Intelligence on the dangers of misinformation and conspiracy theories and how to stop it online. She said, disinformation is a threat to democracy. She warned those members of Congress, criticized the government and social media who have all but abdicated their responsibility to address domestic disinformation. So while she was testifying, Jankiewicz recommended that Congress start spending more taxpayer money to fund a robust public media and work on a global effort to combat disinformation. She also held Twitter's efforts to censor users during the 2020 election, urged more technology companies to follow their example. Twitter, she said, is the best example of a platform moving in the right direction in this context. But the U.S. political environment would be better served by more transparency and equity around the enforcement of these measures. Today, the story that we published on the homepage was about President Barack Obama's speech that he gave to Stanford last week that was about free speech. Now, let me tell you what former President Barack Obama, what this President Joe Biden, and what this new director of that Committee on Homeland Security, Nina Jankowitz, let me tell you how they defined free speech. Free speech is defined in the First Amendment. It's very clearly defined. But they don't take it at face value. They take it to mean this. Free speech is what the people, the majority of the people who are in power, not the majority of the people, but the majority of the people who are in political power positions think and believe should be acceptable for free speech. And free speech, if we're going to push that out there and operate under that guise, what's the effects of that? Well, it means anybody that says something or disagrees with something that comes from this group of political elites that are endowed with the unalienable right by who? By themselves to control and define free speech. And they all in unison define it the way that I just told you. Free speech in their particular world and what they push out on all of us and our kids, by the way, is this. You don't have the right to say anything If it goes against what we believe, period, it's absolute. And of course, in October of 2020, when she was testifying before Congress, Ms. Jakovic didn't have any idea that Elon Musk was going to buy Twitter and take it private and make it be in a world where people can actually go and speak their minds under the guise and the protection of the first amendment and free speech rights. It's hard for me to reconcile, really hard for me to reconcile that this kind of stuff is being taken, implemented, and pushed out by the federal government. If you look back over your shoulder, you don't have to look very far back to see how you have been tamped down on different types of speech. If you have a social media network account, I don't care which one, and you're a political conservative and you express your ideas in there, you've been popped. You know, it's an enigma to me. This very show, when the show is over, the live show is over, uh, in podcast format, it goes up on a multiple of podcast hosting platforms like Apple and Spotify and iHeart and TuneIn, even Google. Stitcher, But Facebook lets this show go up, at least a link to the show, on my personal account. They've never censored it. And I've not not reached out to them to figure out what's going on because, as you know, if you're a regular here, we talk about, from a conservative perspective, pretty much everything. Not a Republican. We're not anti-Democrat. We're certainly not in the tank for Republicans. We're not in the tank for anything except the United States Constitution and all its guarantees for all of us. And basically our position is leave it alone. Let it tell us as it does and let us take actions to implement and regulate all of its measures based upon what's there, period. Now in today's social media world, I don't need to tell you, that's typically not accepted. And many people that I know have been popped for it. Now, some of our shows, some of our posts, the stories that we post there, some of them have those tags, those clarity disclosure tags that the censors put on there, but we've not yet been popped. Now, maybe I'm saying this and they're about to do it. I got to be honest with you, I'm not tied To social media and it's purposeful I use Facebook I have a Twitter account that I don't use regularly but once again every one of these shows the link goes up on my Twitter page every day if the right person comes on this show and when I say the right I'm talking about some of the political heavyweights and we have Steve Scalise Mike Johnson both members of the United States House of Representatives. We have other people on. We had Roger Stone on. We had Dr. Judy Mikovits, People that are very public and aren't really well thought of by those truth keepers, the media folks that control the narrative, and of course the politicians that, like President Obama, came out and he redefined free speech as basically being no free speech. You can't say anything on social media or any other media outlet unless it is the right thing to say. And we own the unfettered right to determine what those things are. And we're going to shut you down when you start doing the kind of speaking that we don't accept. And you heard a measure of that when we played that first soundbite from those media people yesterday that just went crazy about Elon Musk buying Twitter and saying, He was going to implement free speech. He was going to unregulate the censors at Twitter. That is not something that belongs in their world, they feel. And the key to that is they feel. Yeah, it's not theirs to decide. It's not Elon Musk's to decide. It's constitutionally something that belongs individually to you and to me. Now, back to the border, back to Mayorkas. You remember, you heard in that little bit of speech there, he talked about his plan, the Biden border plan. Of course, he didn't go into the details. He just wanted to make brownie points by telling us there's one. Well, let me tell you what there's in that one. It's titled the DH plan for Southwest border security and preparedness. In it, Mayorcas details an effort to continue, he says, continue the administration's transformation of the U.S.-Mexico border into a mere checkpoint for border crossers. This is in writing. This is in writing, and it's out there, and this guy has wrote it, and he expects it to be implemented. And as long as he's the Secretary of Homeland Security, it will be. So what's in it? It's specifically crafted to be implemented sometimes after Biden ends this Title 42 authority that has allowed federal immigration officials to quickly return illegal aliens to their native countries for two years. Now, just because they're supposed to do that, and he's supposed to do that, do what? Turn these people around and send them home. He didn't do it. Border Patrol's not doing it now, and it's just going to get worse when Title 42 expires. But a federal judge here in Louisiana has said he's blocking the administration from ending the Title 42 authority. And, of course, if that happens, it'll be be short-lived because it'll be appealed. When the Title 42 public health order is lifted, we anticipate migration levels will increase as smugglers will seek to take advantage of and profit from vulnerable migrants. That's according to Mayorkas in writing in the plan. So, Biden officials admit that up to half a million border crossers and illegals, which, by the way, is the equivalent of the resident population of Atlanta, Georgia, could arrive at our border every month. Did you get that? Half a million, 500,000 border crossers and illegal aliens, which is the equivalent of the resident population of Atlanta could be coming to our border every month after Title 42 has ended. Right now, we have tracked, there are, in mass, 170,000 illegals that are in Mexico that are together, and they're going to the day Title 42 ends, they're headed to the United States. Mayorkas wrote this, By May 23rd, that's the date the original date for the cancellation of the Title 42. By May f- 2030 said we will be prepared to hold approximately 18,000 non-citizens in border patrol custody at any given time. That's up from 13,000 at the beginning of 2021. We've doubled our ability to transport non-citizens on a daily basis with flexibility to increase further. We are bolstering the capacity of NGOs to receive non-citizens after they've been processed by Border Patrol and are awaiting the results of their immigration removal proceedings. We're ensuring appropriate coordination with and support for state, local, and community leaders to help mitigate increased impacts to their communities. Our goal is to help these communities alleviate the pressures they experience by expanding NGO capacity. How did they do that? Through communication and coordination with all relevant partners and other assistance, such as emergency food and shelter programs, a federal emergency management agency, FEMA grant program that supplements and expands ongoing work of these local NGOs to meet the needs of local agencies. And I'm giving you this verbatim, these little pieces, because I want you to see who this guy is and what he's leading us to become. He details in the plan the step-by-step process where DHS, his organization, ends up releasing tens of thousands of border crossers into the communities in our nation every month. In March alone, he released more than 80,000 border crossers into the U.S. interior. 80,000. That's a population larger than the president's hometown of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Majorca said in his plan, upon encountering individuals who have entered between ports of entries, Border Patrol agents transport them to stations for processing. Now, what is processing? What do they do with these people? Well, here's what his plan says. This includes verifying their identities through a review of their documents and biographic information, as well as the collection of biometric records, Each individual processed by Border Patrol is screened against numerous record systems, including the FBI's terrorist screening database. You believe that? That's why 42 terrorist watch list inhabitants have slipped through. They didn't catch it at the southern border. They didn't catch it at the southern border. You got that? They found out later. After we continue with this diatribe, After initial identity verification and record checks, Border Patrol agents determine the appropriate processing pathway from the available options, which are determined based on an individual's nationality, age, family status, and results of security screening and vetting. This process, including final processing for each pathway, takes on an average of one to two hours per individual. That is horse hockey. The only way they can say that is to forget about the fact that when they go online or they make requests from various agencies for information on these people, sometimes it takes days. Now they may keep those people sitting there for two hours, but they're going to let them go. They let them go. That is the plan. He can say what he wants to. They are and will let these people go. As part of his plan, The Department of Defense is expected to provide as needed rapid contracting support for air and ground transportation for border crossers being transported to American... Uh, Listen, I've had enough of this crap. I can't stand this. This guy is single-handedly turning this nation into a third-world country with the help of his boss who's doing all the other stuff that hasn't anything to do with illegal immigration, just dumbing down and spending the nation into oblivion. And I'm talking about Joe Biden. Those two guys make a pair (laughs) and they each have a pair. And you know what I'm talking about? They'll say anything. They'll do anything. If they think that's what the people know, what people Not the majority of Americans, but the elites who elect them and hire them and put them in these positions with incredible power. They are redrawing the map. They're changing the economic structure. The political structure was abandoned long ago. You know, that one freedom, justice, and liberty for all. And this is a government by the people, of the people, and for the people Oh, they kicked all that to the curb years ago. Now, what it is, is a top-down, authoritarian, government-ruled nation that once was the greatest nation on the planet, the United States of America. It's not right now, folks.
0: Speaking the truth, the left doesn't want you to hear.
1: TNN,
0: The Truth News Network.
5: When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends.
7: Play Best
5: Fiends.
4: You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding (laughs) M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more.
2: Huh?
4: M&M's Dark Chocolate to the Rescue. My heroes. M&M's Dark Chocolate Candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold.
1: we don't want to get lost in our coverage today and things we talk about. We don't want to get lost down at the border. (laughs) There are far more things out there that we just need to get our arms around. We don't talk about COVID-19 very much because Anthony Fauci is not very much out there on the stump preaching about it and spreading his venom. You know, we have to come by behind him when he does all that and clean up for him because he's another one of those people He's full of facts and they're not facts, but because he says they're facts, we've got to believe automatically because I am the COVID God. I am science. He actually said that in the hearing. I am science and he's anything but that, but you know that. So we don't talk about it very much anymore, but we just stumbled on some information that I thought I'd pass along to you. It'll probably toast you like it did me. 400 employees at the CDC, 400 employees have not received even the first COVID 19 vaccine. 382 workers at the CDC are unvaxxed. Another nine employees have just had one dose of either the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines, meaning they don't qualify as fully vaccinated per the CDC's ON guidelines. Together, the number is 3.2% of the CDC's workforce. Please note that this is the most recent and most complete data available and some data elements that you requested that are not available, A spokesperson said. So when asked to clarify, another CDC officer repeated that same statement after an additional search We are providing you with the following information. The response I got to your appeal from the CDC gave me the impression they didn't mean to withhold any information in the first place. That's according to a guy named Jonathan Nelson, who's a FOIA analyst with Homeland Security. I'm sorry, Health and Human Services, HHS. I get them mixed up. Based on that, my personal belief that this was just an accidental omission on their part. So, besides telling us that 391 employees are not fully vaccinated, the CDC said that 12,399 are fully vaxxed. That means they received two doses of the Moderna or Pfizer vaccines or the single-shot Johnson & Johnson. Additionally to that, 5,810 employees have shared that they've received a booster dose, though the agency stressed the employees don't have to say whether they've had one. The CDC also disclosed that they have granted zero request, zero request, for an exemption from Biden's federal worker vaccine mandate, which is poised to take effect on May 31st after a month's long suspension because of a court ruling. Well, the CDC's media office didn't reply when they were asked what would happen to unvaxxed workers who don't have one of those exemptions and why no exemptions have been given. Interesting. We don't hear about those kind of things. They're certainly not out there trumpeting the goodness of what they're doing. Well, there is some interesting news that came out regarding statistics overnight and it didn't come from any place in the United States. Foreign research has discovered that Pfizer, Moderna COVID vaccines don't reduce mortality. In other words, deaths. So those two Pfizer's and Moderna's, they're the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines, showed no reduction in all-cause mortality in controlled trials. That's according to a new paper by researchers at primarily Danish colleges. Based on the RCTs, those trials, with the longest possible follow-up, mRNA vaccines only protected against fatal covid while adenovirus vector vaccines made with older technology, including Johnson & Johnson's, were associated with lower overall mortality and lower non-accident, non-COVID-19 mortality. you got to follow this. The research adds to existing questions about the basis for vaccine and booster mandates on tens of millions of Americans. If it doesn't stop dying... Why the heck have they shoved them down our throats? So here comes the boss, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky. She justified there the CDC's about-face-on mask for vax people back in July by citing similarly high SARS-CoV-2 viral loads in vaxed and unvaccinated people. Now that was during the Delta variant wave. Vaccine experts, including the FDA's former chief scientist, Luciano Borreo, and current advisor, Paul Offit, recently said they were worried U.S. policy is headed for an annual booster recommendation without any data to justify it. Can you imagine our federal government moving us for an environment where we would do something because they told us to, and the facts don't justify their even telling us about it? Kind of like the COVID-19 vaccines. In fact, they went one step further. Fauci got up and trumpeted day after day after day, here's the vax It's going to keep you from getting COVID, and it'll keep you from dying. And if you don't get it, you're going to die from COVID. Where's the science? We don't have it yet, but we're pretty sure that's the way it's going to be. So we're going to scare you to death. How many people have received vaccinations that were made to think if they didn't based upon the stuff that they told us they were going to die. How many of that has happened? I personally know a bunch of people that got vaccinated because they pretty much were shamed into getting it or they did it to keep from losing their jobs. And they regretted getting it when they got it. And they certainly do now because of some horrible after effects. True story, close friends of ours, husband and wife, they're about our same ages. Pictures of health, they both got vaccinated, both of them, almost the same time. Went through the whole regimen. I I forget if it was Moderna or Pfizer, but it was one of those two. They got back vaxxed, they got boosted. The man all of a sudden develops serious heart problems. Let me tell you how serious they are. They had to embed a pacemaker in his chest. Never any problems before with anything, let alone heart problems. The woman, picture of health, even more so than her husband. She was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. Never had any kind of problems whatsoever. And weeks after being vaccinated and getting boosted, both of these entered into an era in their life where they're dealing with these problems, health problems. Is it a coincidence? I don't know. Is it fishy? Does it smell bad? I do believe that's the case here. And there's one after another of instances like this. We don't hear about it because it doesn't fit the mainstream media's mode at giving us news they don't want us to hear stories like that the vares report the you know the accident the incidental report of things that happened to people get vaccinated the problems that happened just because of the vaxes nobody believed that it's worse than this in actuality it's worse than the reports say for a long time we gave them to you every friday haven't done it lately here's the report for last friday Based upon the reported adverse events that came from vaccinations, 28,000 people in the United States have died from COVID vaccines. 151 have been hospitalized. 188,000 doctor office visits just because of problems from vaccinations. 9,644 cases of anaphylaxis. 15,000 cases of Bell's palsy. 4,500 miscarriages, 14,000 heart attacks, 39,000 cases of myocarditis or pericarditis, 51,000 Americans permanently disabled from the vaccines. But we don't talk about this anymore. Why is that? All of this has been normalized. It's just kind of like, okay, that's one of the things we deal with. Do you realize? Do you realize from the time the the, uh, CDC started keeping vaccine adverse reactions way back in the 90s, early 90s. From that date until January 1st of last year, not this year, there were a total of 1,400 deaths from adverse reactions to vaccines. From 93 to 2020. Well, January 1 of 2021. And we already have 27,000. And there are more. They'll tell us the numbers are even greater than that. I'm not going to go into that any longer. I'm just telling you, things aren't what they seem to be still regarding everything of COVID 19, SARS CoV 2. What else is happening out there? Well, Coming up, we are gonna we're gonna hear from uh, Congressman Matt Gates. There is something of a I don't want to call it a war, but there's something of a very vicious back and forth that are happening between some of the the mainline members of the House of Representatives. You know those members of Congress that are out there, but they're not in political power or leadership in the party. And of course, the House of Representatives, the majority's held, a very slim majority, but it still belongs to the Democrats led by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The minority leader, which is the Republican that the Republican members of Congress elect to represent them, be their spokesperson, is Kevin McCarthy from California. Now, Kevin's been around a long time, and he is, at this particular moment, odd zone to become the House Speaker if The Republican Party takes back the House, control of the House, and gets a majority in the upcoming November election. Well, that doesn't sit well with a lot of people. And McCarthy has been caught numerous times getting involved in um, political partisanship in their own party. He's very vocal when he sees something that is not right, literally. Literally. It's not right. Not that he thinks it's not right. It is not right, but nobody's talking about it. So Matt Gates got into a little tiff, um, not so much directly with Kevin McCarthy, but uh, conversations with others. And so kind of to make some sense of it, last night on Tucker Carlson, Gates came on, And he explained exactly what's happening and why. And Tucker Carlson, of course, as he always does, he weighs in with his thoughts. Congressman, thanks so much for coming on. So you were accused by Kevin McCarthy, the guy
6: who is in line to be Speaker of the House, of committing an act of violence by giving your opinion, by saying he was against the former president. Like, is speech violence? What do you make of this? Well, I was just describing the facts. You had a group of people who were going to
10: try to join with Democrats uh, to impeach President Trump, and that is precisely what has played out. You mentioned he's in line to be speaker. I mean, I don't know that Kevin McCarthy's in line to be speaker. I don't know if the guy could get an account on Truth Social at this point based on the inconsistency between the recordings and what he says to us. And it is debasing for Republicans to give this guy a standing ovation after he smears Trump, lies to the country, and then tries to sick big tech and the DOJ on members of Congress whose views he doesn't agree with and whose factual representations are ultimately borne out. And the crazy thing about this, Tucker, is that it was all done for the sake of protecting Liz Cheney. I mean, at the time I was protecting President Trump from impeachment and Kevin McCarthy was protecting Liz Cheney from criticism. And now she is owning them with their own words. And maybe Liz Cheney has done us a favor because now, finally, you don't have to be a lobbyist with a $5,000 check to know what Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise really think. You know, I was upfront about the fact that I was going to politically oppose Liz Cheney. I went to Wyoming. I made my case there. This notion that you can have these sniveling calls and try to foment action against Republicans by big tech and the DOJ is not fitting of leadership.
6: Well, well, that's exactly right. I mean, you can represent Republican voters if you're personally annoyed with Trump. Okay, but you cannot represent Republican leaders if you're calling on big tech to censor voices who criticize you. And if you're accusing people who criticize you of committing an illegal act of violence, as Steve Scalise did. Now, you saw Scalise today. Did he apologize to you for that? Uh, he said it was he
10: was sorry if it caused many problems, but what I said to Steve Scalise is that if you accuse someone of potentially breaking the law, and by the way, he wasn't reacting to something, he raised the prospect of the illegality of my statement that Liz Cheney was anti-Trump, I know I really went out on a limb there, Tucker, but if you accuse someone of breaking the law, you have to say what law you think they broke, and you have to present what evidence you think you have, and if there is no evidence, you need to acknowledge that, and if not, then you're like maintaining this fiction for the sake of your own pride, and that's not what
6: leaders do. But what you're doing is reading the other side's script. I mean, listen to these guys talk and they sound like MSNBC contributors. I'm so triggered. He criticized me. That's a crime. We should boot him off. We should censor him. I mean, they're equating speech with violence, calling for censorship and describing disagreement as a criminal act. How is that not? How are these people not liberals? That's what liberals say. Like, what is this? Well, you see, I will be the one criticized because people
10: will say this is divisive. We should be unified against the Democrats. The problem is the Democrats win if Republicans take power and then think and talk and behave just like the Democrats. So I'm presenting an alternative vision and it would be nice if the leadership wasn't the lagging indicator on these things. They were the last ones to realize that Liz Cheney should have been tossed out of leadership. I was out there making the case and ultimately they caught up, but leaders lead from the front. They're not the lagging indicator.
6: Yeah, you just feel so sorry for Republican voters. I mean, no one's standing up for them. They're totally exposed. Some are still in jail. And the guy who's supposed to lead them to freedom sounds like a Joy Reid staffer. It's very distressing. And I, anyway, sorry.
1: I just don't understand when these rifts happen in a political party. And Republicans don't have an exclusive for that. The same thing happens in the Democrat party. Not everybody is going to agree with somebody else about everything. It stands to reason. But this all centered around Kevin McCarthy, what he allegedly did. that has been confirmed that he did. He vocally came forward and he said he was going to ask Donald Trump to resign the presidency. Kevin McCarthy was. Well, who was he to have that or think he had that power to do that? But that's beside the point. Donald Trump was not elected by Kevin McCarthy. Donald Trump was elected by the people of the United States. And by the way, almost everybody that pulled the lever for Donald Trump was a Republican. Kevin McCarthy represents the Republican minority in the house of representatives. He is elected to be their spokesperson. And he said, he made it very clear that he was going to ask President Trump to resign. Who the heck has the power to do that? Well, I get all that, and I disagree with McCarthy. In fact, i got to be honest with you, I disagree with him on a lot of stuff. You may not remember this, but when it came time to pick who the minority leader was in the Democrat Party in the House, Steve Khalees and Kevin McCarthy were the two frontrunners. Steve Khalees is a friend of this, this show. He is a House of Representatives. He's a rep from the New Orleans area, voted from here in Louisiana. He is a Louisianian, and I know him personally. He is a really good guy. He is, and I like him a lot. I do think you forget about the political part of it, but as a leader of people, there's no doubt in my mind he would have been much better suited to be the minority leader in this particular Congress for the Republicans in the House. All that being said, Kevin McCarthy expressed his opinion. I get that. And everyone, they're no different from you or I. They have the right to express their thoughts on pretty much everything. Now, it is our responsibility and our right to draw our own conclusions and voice our concerns. But when they begin to weaponize things, ideas, and thoughts— and they weaponize them and use them against their brothers and sisters in their own party in Congress. That sends red flags up for me. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat, but I'm a conservative, a true conservative. And in leadership, sometimes you have to get down in a conversation and get to the root of things. When that happens, and it's just discussion. It's almost like subpoenaing everybody in a presidential administration their private conversations with a president. Think about the context in which that happens. There's nobody that's elected to any office in this U.S. Congress that knows everything about everything. And when issues come up, it's natural and it's good for them to converse with their fellow members in the House And of course, these people that work in any presidential administration in the White House. The president, the speaker of the House, every one of them, they need to have conversations about every issue before them with their fellow members of the House or in the White House, their federal House members in any White House administration to come up and discuss and come up through discussion come up with the best plan, the best policy for moving forward. McCarthy did that, and he got busted for it. And, of course, Matt Gaetz, is a, he comes onto the scene, folks. I don't know if you know much about Matt Gaetz, but he speaks his mind. He says what he believes, and he's not hung up in the politicization of everything. It's facts or facts. These guys need to get this reconciled. They don't need a split Republican Party for the upcoming midterms. And certainly not in 2024. You got that? I mean, we don't need any more division, do we? <laughs> well, you know, we're we're, we're less than the, we're at less than a half hour left in the show, and we've got so many other things. Golly, we haven't talked much about Ukraine, Russia, and we talked about Putin and his threat at the beginning of the show. When we come back, there's something up about um, Ukraine something up about all this money and all this military equipment the United States has been bragging about sending to Ukraine, sometimes think things aren't as they appear to be. And we've got a very former high-level CIA agent that's going to tell us about what's going on in Ukraine and what has been told. And they're a little bit different from each other. Computer, execute 12.4p operation.
3: Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha nine, nine. Oh. I don't feel so good.
0: What? What is it, computer?
3: Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or s- something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or
11: more. See the bold new expression of sporty style. Hear the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque. And experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my
5: Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water
0: election cycles come and go white house reporters come and go the truth is a diamond because it's forever TNN the truth news network your jeweler today is Dan Newman
1: you know this this war it goes on and on and on we're two months into it now we're talking about the Russian invasion of Ukraine and of course Ukraine's allies and people that are standing up with the Ukrainian people in their fight to remain independent, keep Russia from taking over their nation, they look to other countries to help them out. That's what free nations do. They help each other out, especially when tyrannical powers come in and try to take over their countries. That's exactly what's happening in Ukraine. Well, Joe Biden, now remember this is an election year, not for him, but for every member of the Democrat Party in the House of Representatives, and of course every Republican as well, and there's a very slim margin of Democrat majority right now. When you start speaking about legislation, that's a really big deal even though you do have a majority, you're going to have people in your party that dissent on policy basis with some of the legislation that comes up. And of course, often just because they're elected as Democrats people, the majority or most of the people in their districts they represent on certain specific issues may disagree with the Democrat party issue on pending legislation. So they sometimes vote the other way when you have a five, Point majority, five-person majority, you're going to lose some people every single time. So it's really tough going for Democrats to get their legislation passed. That's why you've seen most of the legislation that gets done is not actually legislation. It's executive orders issued by this president, and he signs them himself. Many of those and the process used to do them are ruled later to be unconstitutional. And they have to either be changed or deleted. Now, I'm saying that to say this. It's election year. Democrats across the nation are looking really tough. There are going to be a lot of Democrats that are in the House right now that won't be there next January because they'll be defeated in their respective districts by Republicans. And so Biden's up there, and one of the big hot things that's happening on the earth is Russia-Ukraine he has got to find ways to insert himself even if he's inserting himself in talking points only he's got to make the people feel like that the country that's being invaded the united states has their back we're the big dogs on the on the globe and so we are the ones or we're supposed to be the ones that jump up and go in and help them fight the bullies well All of these nation leaders, especially the European ones, are scared to death of Vladimir Putin. Their leaders are feckless to begin with in most cases, but they're all at the whim of Russia because they buy most of their energy. Their oil, their national gas comes from Russia, and they've been worried that Vladimir Putin was going to cut them off. And guess what he did day before yesterday? He cut off some of those nations. Well, here's the United States over there. What are we going to do about that? Well, we're not yet going to do anything about that, even if we are going to do anything about it. But what we have been bragging about is sending them tens of millions of dollars of military assistance. Man, just think about it. We sent all kinds of equipment. We sent guns. We sent tanks. We sent bullets, yada, 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 yada. But we never hear about, are those things getting there? And if they're getting there, how long after Biden bragged that he was sending them, how long did it take to get there? Dan Hoffman, you probably, if you watch Fox News, you'll see him every once in a while. Former CIA operative. He's a really, really good guy. He knows all of the X's and O's about these types of military conflicts. He joined Stuart Varney, and they broke down this problem with equipment getting to Ukraine. Uh, let's get and bring in CIA guy, Dan Hoffman. Look, Dan,
11: I spoke to Vladimir Klitschko yesterday. He told me they got a lot of promises about planes being delivered. Can you tell me definitively if those planes are getting through? Because they're vital to Ukraine's war effort.
4: Yeah, they are vital to the war effort. And I think that's a great question that uh, that our own Jennifer Griffin uh, could be asking uh Pentagon spokesman, uh, John Kirby, because the Pentagon has been uh, less than direct about the provision of those MiG aircraft and out of some concern that Ukraine might take the fight into Russian territory. We've seen this week a second, uh, what looks like an attack on a Russian fuel depot in Bryansk, and that might be a concern for this administration over escalation. You heard The discussion from uh, the Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov using President Biden's words against him about a World War III because we're supplying Ukraine with so much military assistance they need to fight off Russia's barbaric invasion and invoking the specter of a nuclear war is exactly what Russia thinks will deter us from providing the military assistance Ukraine desperately needs.
11: You're a CIA guy. You wouldn't want our Arab, Arab guys, Americans, to come right out with this. Oh, yeah, we, we delivered six of those MiG jets this morning, and they're in this X, Y, and Z place. You can't really say that, can you? You've got to be secretive to some degree.
4: Uh, to some degree, but it's going to become known uh, what the Ukrainians are receiving. We've been pretty open about the $2 billion of assistance we've provided so far, including the latest tranche, which includes howitzers and those Phoenix ghost Uh, Drones, which are armed. And I have reconnaissance capability. They can also strike targets, providing tanks uh, and S-300 air defense, massive amounts of javelins and stingers. So we've been fairly open about it. But I think the planes, as you said, the attack aircraft kind of takes it to a different level for sure. And it's something that perhaps we just don't want to be Uh, Too open about with the Russians but the Russians are gonna figure it out regardless and we know they're concerned because as you pointed out they're targeting those railway stations those hubs where where the supplies are getting in and the refugees are trying to get out
11: Uh, we've got this meeting of 40 NATO defense ministers with defense secretary Austin took place this morning in Germany is America hardening its stance on the war are we beginning to use the word win
4: Well, we're talking about winning, and Secretary Austin was talking about making Russia so weak that they could no longer threaten their neighbors. There's a bit of a time lag here. I wish we'd done more a year ago, months ago. But yes, and and I think we can thank President Zelensky of Ukraine, who awakened those NATO member countries from their post-war, post-Cold War slumber. And now we're all supporting Ukraine for their fight uh, for liberty, freedom, and democracy, President Biden has said we'll defend every inch of NATO territory. But it's Ukraine uh, who is putting their, life on, their lives on the line to defend the things that we hold most near and dear to us, enshrined in our Constitution and Bill of Rights.
11: Well said, CIA man Dan Hoffman. Thanks for being
1: here, Dan. See you again real soon. Thanks a lot. All right, CIA man. I like that, Stuart Varney. He's he's a patriot. Yeah, he's a Brit, but he immigrated here, and he is a citizen. And he's always very much to the point when he uh, has conversations like you just heard with Dan Hoffman. And speaking of the conversation they had, it's a really big deal. I understand all of these leaders of these countries around the world, especially in Europe and the Middle East, being very careful that their support for Ukraine is not going to be interpreted in the wrong way by Vladimir Putin and other leaders in Russia. Nobody wants to get into World War III. So how do you protect a partner? Now, Ukraine's not a member of NATO, but these NATO nations over there, they're all they all consider themselves, and they are, in many ways, partners with Ukraine. How can you justify not going all in with your partner? And I'm not talking about NATO, I'm talking about countries you realize the geography of Europe is very much like the geography of the United States in that we go state from state pretty easily. Where I'm sitting right now, our studio is about 15 miles from the Texas border. And about 50 miles north of me is the border with Arkansas. And just to the west of that border, less than five miles, is the border of Oklahoma. So I can go to Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas and Louisiana in a matter of a few hours it's much like that across Europe but it's not state to state it's country to country i i've been in Europe i i was in in one day i was in Switzerland Germany Liechtenstein and Austria and it was just simple driving stopping and looking at things it was an easy day a good day and that included Uh, breakfast in Germany, and lunch in Austria. (laughs) So it's a lot like that over there. So it would be like governors here and the state that is next door to us. In my case, say uh, Greg Abbott in Texas, and I'm in Louisiana. Our governor here and him, one of us was attacked as as a state by an aggressor that came from somewhere and was invading our state. Wouldn't you think there'd be an obligation for the neighbors to step up, regardless of their political affiliation or anything like that, because they're so close together and they interact with each other so readily? That's what happens in Eastern Europe. That's just the way it is. But these leaders in Europe are scared to death of Vladimir Putin. And of course, Putin comes out every few days. You heard the report opening the show today. He threatened anybody that comes to vocally, visibly to the assistant of Ukraine with lightning response from Russia. And without saying it, it's a veiled threat that he's going to take action against whoever does that using those new hypersonic missiles that we're all scared to death of. So where do you draw the line? If you're a European nation, I mean we're the United States, we're on the other side of the globe. And we we have one little spot in our country that's very close to Russia. They're extreme northeast and our extreme northwest. And I'm talking about Alaska. But overall, folks, we're a long way from them. They're a long way from us. That shouldn't even matter. I'm very concerned That Vladimir Putin is reading what he's reading, the response or lack of response, the support or lack of support from other countries in Ukraine, and what he's doing is being a a, a, a schoolyard bully. I mean, almost every morning he comes out and says, don't you dare think about helping Ukraine. If you do, I mean, he floated the nuclear thing. They have more nuclear weapons than do we. But let me ask you this. If you're talking about a nuclear war and you know the devastation that happens with these nuclear warheads when they're when they're used, uh, when you know that, are you going to threaten somebody that you're going to blow them away? How many nukes does it take to destroy a whole country? You don't have to destroy the entire country. You pick the key points there. We know for a fact on the, the Russian map of targets that they have to go after. One of them is, one of the first targets is just right here across the Red River from me in Bozier City, Barksdale Air Force Base, the home of B-52 bombers. Any country would want to take that out because they know if we got into a real war situation, these planes are going to be some that are going to carry most of the big nasty bombs including nukes, over an aggressor that they're going to go to war with. I understand all of that. But if you're going to say publicly that you're doing something, don't just talk about it. In fact, you don't even need to tell the American people you're doing it. Just do it. Send the support to Ukraine that they need. Don't send soldiers. We don't want to get into that kind of war. We just got out of one like that in Afghanistan. But make it very clear to Volody- Volodymyr Zelensky and the people of Ukraine, we're not just going to tell you we're going to support you. Here, we're going to support you. And if Vladimir Putin wants to be a bully and do what bullies do, we deal with that when it comes. But we cannot, we cannot turn our backs on anybody that is under fire from an aggressor that was not drawn into that aggressive action by anything that Ukraine did. You can't just let that happen and go without responding. You just can't do it. You're justifi- If you do that, you're justifying the slaughter of thousands of men, women, and children, civilians in Ukraine. Vladimir Putin is... Terminating, exterminating people. Do you realize that? That's a totalitarian operation that we in my lifetime haven't seen before. We've seen some egregious wars, but nothing like extermination stuff. I mean, yesterday I heard a report from one lawmaker, Steve Dane, from, uh, I think he's either from Montana or, or Wisconsin. He was in Ukraine They took him to Bucha, that small village where all those people were slaughtered, took him to a mass grave. And he said, they showed me. And you could see, based upon the material that was draped across the bodies in that mass grave, you could see little, little bodies covered, kids. And he said, they took us and you could look and see through the material over the bodies, they were shot, they were executed, and most of them were shot in the back of the head. Does that sound like a real good operation, military operation? No, it sounds like what it is. It's an extermination slaughter by Vladimir Putin. We need to step up. We need to really step up. This not getting those MiGs, that just blows my mind. We didn't, we didn't offer the MiGs. We don't have MiGs. That's something that is made in Russia. European countries have it. NATO countries have it. Poland offered to give them MiGs. The Ukrainian pilots, when they fly over there in military fighter jets, they fly in MiGs. Poland offered to give it to them, but Poland is right next to Ukraine. They did not want to entice Vladimir Putin into crossing the Ukrainian border into Poland just because... They sent these planes, these MiGs to the Ukrainians. They offered to give those to the United States at, at, uh, in Germany at our big air base there. And they offered to train these Ukrainian pilots on that, but they wanted us to be the ones to put them over there because we're so far away. Putin wouldn't attack us for doing that. Now that's not that big a deal. Yeah. There's a, there's a chance. There's always a chance we understand that, but people are getting slaughtered as we're not doing anything close to what we could do to help them. And every time somebody in media gets on a television camera or a radio microphone and asks president Zelensky what he needs, you know what he says every time he said it from the very beginning, we need weapons. We've asked specifically. We ask every day for weapons. Give us weapons. You don't you don't have to come do it for us. We're ready. We're here. We're doing it to the best of our ability with what we have, but we need more weapons. In fact, at the beginning of this whole thing, the United States offered to come over and pick him and his family up, take them somewhere and get them away from war. And his response to them was, I don't need a ride. I don't need a ride. I need bullets. I need bullets. When we come back, our final words today. You don't want to miss this. That's next. Long live the
0: courageous, hey, God bless and keep you always. May you the tenacious, you always do for the ones who push forward, and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. work. and the commitment to outlast them all. RAM. Proven to last.
1: I couldn't end the show today without giving you the final word that comes from MSNBC host Joy Reid about the Tesla issues. CEO Elon Musk purchasing Twitter. Musk was born in Pretoria, South Africa in 71, the year I graduated from high school. Lived there, moved to Canada at the age 17. Reid said, listen to this. It was distressing to a lot of people, not least of which the people who work at Twitter. Who you know in their internal slacks are really, a lot of them are wringing their hands, probably not all of them, but a lot of them just worried about what becomes of their company. Elon Musk companies have a history of open racism. You know, there's been this lawsuit against Tesla, and he himself is a troll. So his idea of freedom means freedom to be a jerk, And to be cruel and to have no one be able to stop you. She added, they don't want to just be in the club. They are on the they've been described as being the outside of the culture, looking in through the glass, but they don't just want to come in. They want to come in and be able to punch people in the face, walk around and laugh about it, and to not have anyone be able to stop them. The thing is, the enjoyment they get out of being in this town square is being able to harass people, being able to attack people. There was a time when people had the double hashtags around their names because they were Jewish. And right-wingers were saying, get in the oven anytime you made any benign comment on Twitter. They attacked women. The misogyny was crazy on Twitter for a while. Elon Musk, I guess he misses the old South Africa in the 80s. He wants that back wow I wonder what she really thinks <laughs> of all the people on television in television news I gotta tell you MSNBC is my least desired and Joy Reid and just because I'm saying this just because I'm a I'm saying I don't like the stuff that she says most of the time because she denigrates people who are different from her. Which is the definition of uh, racism, xenophobia, all of those. I just don't like that. We don't need to denigrate each other. Thank you for being here today. Oh my gosh. We went through and covered a lot of territory. There's a whole lot more tomorrow as we wrap up our week here. 9 to 11 a.m. every Monday through Friday. I'll see you tomorrow at TNN Live. Long ago
7: And oh so
0: far away
7: I fell in love with you
9: Before
10: the
7: second show It sounds so sweet and clear, but you're not really here. It's just